Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome, guys. Yeah, this is great. Uh, Why don't you just introduce yourselves? Let's just get friendly. Great. Uh, My name is Braden Grover Sonnes. I am... Uh, recent graduate uh, with a BFA in acting and um, a recent work visa holder, so I'm staying in Canada. I'm originally from the States, so uh, this is my second show with Bard in the Valley, and really happy to be doing it. It's a great show, and I'm really excited to be here because um, I love conversations, and I love the ability to talk about what I love doing, I guess. Um, where where in the states are you from? I'm from Oregon. Originally. Oh, okay. So yeah, not that far. Six hours. Yeah. Um, it's been a long year of not going home while waiting for work visa, mm-hmm. and also COVID makes the border rather than a six hour drive, it's a whole commitment mm-hmm. to like a two week quarantine. It was for a while, yeah. so um, going home has been less common in the last couple of years. But my family does come up quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I don't know how to how to yeah. follow that, but my name is Belle Hernberg Johnson, and I don't know. I don't know if I if I know anything else about myself. <laughs> uh, I just finished the professional development program at SFU, which uh, I graduated, and now I've been teaching, which has been great. I've been just TOCing, which is subbing in a bunch of different classes, mostly high school, but some elementary and some middle, and it's. It's been pretty good. I definitely chose the right career. This is my second show as well with Bard in the Valley, and I'm really excited about it because it's such like a... It's I've never done a show that's like this. I usually do musicals. Mm. So this is mm. a different kind of depth, I think, than musicals have. So I'm really excited about everything that it has in store. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. You're up too. Okay. <laughs> I'm Madison MacArthur. I'm the president of Bard in the Valley and director of Almost Maine. And uh, I'm super excited to be sharing our show and being 12 days away from opening it. Yeah. Yeah. 12 days. Yeah. These these end of January dates still look so far away. Yeah. It does yeah. seem like a while. Yeah. I'm moving in less than two weeks, which is just a few days before Me this. Too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not moving into my old place, are you? No, I don't think so. Absurd. <laughs> yes. That's possible. <laughs> I'm not going to say the address. No, we're no. not going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are here because you're in uh, Bard in the Valley's newest production, which uh, they've come on the podcast previously. It was a great episode. Um, what can you guys tell us about the production itself? Oh, about this production? I don't want to give too much away. Like, I'm <laughs> wondering what I should say and what I shouldn't. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Bard's first winter show as well as their first non-Shakespeare show so it's a lot of firsts I was gonna ask about that too yeah yeah so that's been really exciting and I think the other thing that's been really exciting is the cast is just phenomenal to work with yeah um everyone just is so professional and is there to work and so sometimes in a summer community show, it's when people are free and some people have to cancel because <laughs> they have work or this or that. And uh, we were both in the last show, yeah. uh, Measure for Measure, in the summer. And every now and then it was a little bit hectic, but um, the professionalism of the cast this time has made working a breeze. And yes, we're 12 days away from opening, but it like I don't have any worries about that. 
and I think everyone's invested in the stories, and like Bell was saying, the stories are really rich, and uh, the synopsis I give everyone when I tell them what play I'm doing currently is that it is a series of surrealist vignettes, uh, all focused on the idea of love. Mm. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm stealing that. Okay. <laughs> now for everyone who doesn't know what that means. Okay, yeah. Um, so, many scenes, not necessarily connected, uh, all their own little snapshot. And then the surrealism comes in, there's like some aspect of these people that's not founded in reality, but they both accept it as their own reality. Um, so, one of the first scenes, um, just at the start of the show, is someone's heart is broken but it's like literally broken mm. and both characters juggle what does that mean what does that mean between them and how does that affect the love that they're sharing and each scene has its own little quirk yeah okay. a little touch of magic yeah cool interesting that is almost believable like it oh. almost could be real I think the audience will take it as real there's oh, yeah. no question there like <laughs> wow <laughs> Sounds like you guys are excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. I, I I mean, it's not often that you find a cast that's not excited, so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's okay? So I both I recognize both of you from Measure for Measure, and you mentioned that. What's been the progression? What's been different since working with that one compared to this? Is it's non Shakespeare? It's probably a little bit easier to read, a little bit easier to learn the lines, maybe. I would say no, honestly. <laughs> I think Shakespeare just has this like rhythm to it where you know what you're supposed to say next because everything is rhythmic and maybe you've read it a thousand times before um, or you've seen it performed multiple times or you've heard it or whatever. Shakespeare just has that, like there's that essence of Shakespeareness. I don't know. <laughs> he does have a way of doing that. Yeah. And this is like memorizing a real conversation. Right. Hmm. Which has been really interesting because everything that the characters say to each other feels like how you have an actual conversation, mm-hmm. how you like stop and start and you're like, yeah, yeah, wow, wow. Like so much of that, which is just, you're like, how many times do I say wow again? How many times do I say I'm not mad? I don't know. Yeah, it's, at, I think at first I was like, oh yeah, like this, I don't have to go through and score all the scripts like you might have to do in Shakespeare. I don't have to interpret it as normal language. Mm-hmm. But like getting stuck in just what you were saying, saying what ten times on a page, <laughs> and being like, "Can you say that differently every time?" I'm like, um, "Okay, <laughs> what, what, what?" <laughs> but that's what makes it rich because that's reality. Like, it is. you say what ten times when someone's telling you something like totally earth-shattering. Like you don't know what else to say. You just say what. You just. Yeah, I guess it's like two totally different kinds of acting because, like, with with Shakespeare, you're not saying anything that you would normally say mm-hmm. in your day to day life. Yeah. But then with something like this, like you have to say things that you would normally say, but you know, obviously in a more written way. Is the writing pretty like realistic, like true to life? Kind of like very. It's obviously a dramatic thing. I would say it's it's very true to life. I feel I relate to how we speak in the show very much. And I find that each scene is very relatable because each character has their own way of speaking, which makes it Mm -hmm. very real. Mm. Yeah, and each of the actors plays a handful of roles. So it's really cool to see 
just the script having enough difference in character that even though I might play four characters, there's not too much work that I have to do to separate them because it's so inherent in the writing. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. Hmm. Um, what were you just saying? Because I had a thought. The characters different, speaking different. Yeah, the the true to life. It, oh, it, yeah. It's very true to life. And even though it's surrealist ideas, like there's a broken heart, um, it's in the style of realism, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm like, uh, <clears throat> as far as acting backgrounds, you said that you just graduated with a <clears throat> with a BFA. You've mostly done musicals, so this is pretty different from what you guys normally do. Or what about you? You is it similar to what you <clears throat> have normally done or done in the past? This play is well known in like educational places because there's so many scenes and opportunities for so many actors to be put in. Uh, we have six actors, yeah. but um, there's a high school that's coming to see it that has m- possibly many actors playing all the different roles. Oh, okay. So, um, in a way, the scene work is a lot of what I've done because a lot of the classes that I was taking is like, here's a scene, that's all you get. Now you have to know everything about this character and portray all of that in ten minutes. And so that's sort of the work of this play is it's a bunch of ten-minute scene studies they have to know this character only by the pages that you're given mm-hmm. so it feels pretty comfortable but the material itself um i think the all the romance through every scene it being so focused um isn't like a other play i've done personally okay so far and then is it hard to not break into song? Is it, has that I mean, I should break into song anyways. <laughs> I, in fact, break into song anyways, but that's that's on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's backstage. No one will see that. Uh, but I've done scene work as well. I have mm-hmm. um, my Bachelor of Arts uh, major in theater, extended minor in history. Mm. So we did scene work and stuff in some of my undergrad classes. So it is kind of similar to that. But again, I've the same as Braden here. I've never experienced that never worked with that level of like intimacy yeah. in a show yeah because there's a lot of intimate moments and not just like kisses or like but just moments where there's tension in between two people that is like whether that's playful tension painful tension passionate tension it's it's just it's a lot of tension mm, and yeah. i have never done anything like that before so yeah yeah i think i've had a scene or two in a full play that might have that, but that's one yeah. scene. Yeah. I have to do it four times, and since they're <laughs> all, like, again, separate, they all pick the most intense moment. Rather than a play that's just one story, it has the one scene, the pivotal climax. Yeah. But this is all just climaxes for each <laughs> character, yeah. and it has its own arc as a play, mm-hmm. but each scene is a separate plot in its, in its own way. How do you think the audience is going to react to that? as compared to something else you've done. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, for me, that's going to be interesting sitting down, you know, waiting, wa- expecting, you know, the usual storyline, yeah. but it, getting something completely different. There is the opening, intermission, and closing scene that's all one, that, like, we sort of revisit. So I think there mm-hmm. will be the buy-in throughout the whole thing. Yes. I think I would guess the many scenes and all of them being very intense is sort of like, you get this intense scene, and a couple of them you're like holding your breath the whole time, but mm. since it's only ten minutes, you get a moment sort of in between during the transition to, oh, breathe, and the whole audience, I feel like I'll picture them like 
breathing together, maybe <laughs> laughing like, wow, that was crazy. Yeah. Talking to the people sitting next to them, and then they'll be back in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you don't really get that sense of catharsis at all until the end. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, it, ha- it, it does have its mm-hmm. own arc as a play where it builds throughout, but there's so much in every scene, so it's it starts high, and it goes higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so we're 12 days away, right? Mm-hmm. So is the nerves settling in, or are you just like, oh, whatever, it's fine till the day of? What do you guys think? Oh, my showmares are kicking in. They started kicking in like two weeks ago. Get those dreams where you're like, wow, I'm on stage and I don't know my lines. How did this happen? Why is this real? And then you wake up and you're like, I would never do that. I would never not know my lines. What are you talking about? So um, I, I feel it. I, I feel confident in our all of our abilities mm-hmm. to do this show. Cast, crew, everyone. Uh, but doesn't mean I'm not nervous. I think I haven't considered it enough. I'm sort, of, <laughs> I'm sort of still in ignorance. I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. There's no problem at all. But then I think about, in this moment right now, like, oh, all these pieces coming together. And again, it's not anyone's ability that I'm afraid of. It's yeah. all these pieces have to come together in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to figure itself out. I think it always does. That's sort of the magic of theater. But um, there's some pieces that I'm like, wow, I haven't thought about how that's going to work out in the next <laughs> couple <of> days. <laughs> um, but... Are we, like, still building the set, or is it all coming together, or...? The magic about being our first winter show is that we've never performed in this venue, and the set is built, you know, what I imagine in my head. The costumes are ready, the lights are ready, but we won't know if everything's ready until it's all in the space, set up, and ready to go, so... We're living on hope and a prayer right now. That's theater for you. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get that touch of magic, okay? We'll get that that almost main magic. It'll just, like, sprinkle all over, and it'll be fine. No, but in all honesty, I picked this show because the script will speak for itself, and it doesn't need those theatric elements. Um, And and with the actors bringing it alive, that stuff will all... will enhance, but it doesn't need it. Hmm. So, uh, as with the last episode that you did with Dylan please forgive my ignorance in the theater world this is an established play this is something that mm-hmm. is around in the theater world did you guys have a, a previous relationship with this play at all have you done it before have you seen it before I've just heard about it but I've heard okay. about it a lot it's sort of like in high school when I did theater it okay. was just sort of like I've heard the name I don't know exactly where maybe I saw the script on my teacher's shelf once but um it's it's a popular play because it's successful, and again, especially in educational worlds, many scenes, many characters. Right, yeah. Seems like it lends itself well to teaching, for sure. Yeah, and scene study, because yeah. you just give kids the scene and they go crazy with it. Yeah. Yeah, good for my little bag of tricks there as a teacher, mm-hmm. but... I had never heard of it, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then, as soon as I heard about it, I didn't stop hearing about it. Right. Which is such yeah. a weird, oh. weird phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what was the, Madison, what was the decision process like to go with this one? Well, we knew we wanted to do a winter show and that, you know, one of Bard's goals is um, growth. And so I think in a perfect world, it would be a winter tragedy and a summer comedy. (laughs) Um, But you have to start and you just have to start somewhere. And um, we weren't ready for a winter tragedy. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, That's a huge commitment. So we want to have a slow build and... 
almost Maine is a script I actually always wanted to act in. I always mm. thought, like, it's like an actor's dream to do, you know, multiple characters, and you hit the pivotal points of all those characters, and there's touches of romance and touches of just, like, everyone could relate to one of these characters mm. at some point in their lives. Mm. Um, and I've always felt that it was just such a beautiful play. So I, I thought it was perfect. It was meant to be. It's a winter venue winter show it's our first one um like I don't want to say it's easy it's not easy by any means but it felt easy to me because I was interested I was excited I loved it I yeah I just felt like the right thing at the right time so I'd heard about the script always wanted to do it and felt like this was my opportunity Mm. yeah because Bard won't traditionally do a regular play like just a you know I think we we want to stick to Shakespeare and but this is a special year where we have to build to get there. So, yeah. Is that something that Bar in the Valley is, like, taking a more progressive, like, ag- uh, sorry, aggressive, like, look at? Like, are we going to be seeing two shows a year every year? Or? I hope so. I really hope so. One of our goals is also sustainability. So <laughs> make sure I'm not going to burn out everybody who works for VIV. Um, so it will be a slow progression, I hope. Mm-hmm. But we found a great little home at the at Fort Langley, and we hope to stay there for many years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's they're awesome. wonderful there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are. So we're getting away from the like multiple locations for every show for now. now. Okay. For now. <laughs> <laughs> What uh, do we have like a summer plan yet? Or we do. Okay. We can tell you we're going to do Cymbeline this summer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't know anything about that either. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. I think you were talking about it briefly the last time you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, when I think about it, and our director Dana might say something different, but it's a choose-your-own-adventure Shakespeare. Ooh. So it's four hours uncut. Now <laughs> nobody's going to do a four-hour show. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so you get to kind of pick and choose what story of Cymbeline you want to tell, and there's every single Shakespeare trope you can think of. Hmm. So when I, I went to go see it in the summer um, with Dylan and Dana, who's directing it, we went to go see another Shakespeare in the Park production, and it was exactly as you say, sort of choose your own adventure. Like they were just doing all these crazy things, and the thing that stood out was that it reminded me so much of Shrek. like like just like fairy tale it's i think it's the most fairy tale out of all the shakespeare okay like Mm -hmm. classic fairy tale because like there's midsummer night's dream that's fairies but it's not a necessarily like a classic fairy tale Mm -hmm. but it really reminded me of princess in a castle and all these different sort of tropes and the humor of it and sort of like the it's like, oh, it's a fairy tale, and then something goes horribly wrong, and it's like, you're just going to glaze over that? Like, like that? That's crazy. And so it reminded me of Shrek in that way. <laughs> Interesting. That's very... We've ju- we just watched Shrek the other day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't there. No. Can't no. escape Shrek. Can't escape no. Shrek. <laughs> and who would want to? Well, not, not me. <sighs> it's interesting. Well, that's as a tangent, but... When they were creating Shrek, yeah. then they actually, basically no one thought it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put all of the like angsty 
like uh, creators on Shrek that they kept getting in trouble. They're like, oh, we don't like you, so we're gonna put you on Shrek. Yeah. And then it they just... called it the Gulag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. If you were bad, you were put on Shrek. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So if you didn't yeah. perform, they just moved you to the Shrek project. But and then like, the it's result, never gonna work. The result of that was you got a bunch of people who were passionate about their jobs mm. but just didn't want to fall in line mm. so they were able to kind of just do their own thing on this project that everybody forgot about and nobody thought was going to work and then you get like this cultural phenomenon yeah it's wild yeah that actually gave me chills that's so exciting <laughs> right yeah it's crazy i love that yeah it's incredible what happens when you just underappreciate people and then they <laughs> come up with something and they prove you wrong yeah. yeah, and even in that way, like, Cymbeline is not done often, so mm -hmm. people, like, don't have an expectation. If you're going to see Hamlet, you have an expectation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're putting on Cymbeline, it's, like, been sort of put in the gulag. <laughs> like, you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had, up until you began talking about it, I hadn't even heard of Cymbeline. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, sort of well-versed in Shakespeare, but not <laughs> yeah. really well-versed. Which, speaking to you guys, I know nothing. But. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Okay. How do you guys prepare for a role? Like, this is a bit different because you've got a bunch of different characters going on. Well, I guess, I mean, community theater is a lot like that anyways. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, are you, like, full-on Daniel Day-Lewis, like, in the <laughs> role, every day living it? Or how do you prepare? God, that'd be exhausting. Uh <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I would then have some, I'd have some multiple personalities going on, because I'm playing three characters, yeah. you're playing four. Yeah. Oh, wow. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be a lot of <laughs> brains in my head. <laughs> There's already enough voices, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actors are crazy, as history says. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think preparing for a role is, in my mind, to an extent, script is king. Mm -hmm. So, anything that... I wonder about my character, I should be able to pick up from the script. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like to live in the character. Um, like, if I was this character, so the script I've been given, the context that they have, and that's why a full play, it's a lot of work to be like, okay, I have all these lines to study, and also the scenes I'm not in, they speak about my character. So I have to know everything that's said in this script. And then based off of that, I have to decide all these opinions and try to um, believably enter this character that I'm trying to make a real person. And then on top of that, put myself into that. Because that's why like, anyone gets cast as anything, because the director sees you as like inherently able to become this person that you're being cast as. Mm -hmm. So with four, um, it's sort of like... And short scenes, like, you gotta just fully let every word that your character says, um, for me, um, decide your opinions, your beliefs, why you're doing something, your, like, how you stand, how you walk, all those different aspects of character. Sort of like what I was saying about every character just is inherently written different. Mm -hmm. Um, try to interpret with these words, how does this character stand? Like, if he's mad, how does he move his hands when he talks? So, that feels like sort of my process from start through to performance. Fascinating. How do you, f 
do you feel that you have a different outlook on people going through that process? Yeah, that <laughs> I studied at Trinity Western University, mm-hmm. and um, very like every course that you take is supposed to be aimed at a Christian perspective. And the theater pushed that a little bit, at least in the like traditional Christian sense. And that's why the program got cut there is because they were a little bit more forward than the board likes. <laughs> right. But the I in my brain I believe that the theater was more Christian than the rest of the school in a way because the empathy that they were teaching to like anyone, any irredeemable person by society's standards, you have to believe you can play because they are a person too. And that feels so, like, Mm. core to me. Like, no matter who it is, they are redeemable. They are lovable. They are human. Because they got to that point, but they started out like me. So I have to be able to portray that on stage. And that translates right into I have to be able to love them as a human. Interesting. And then uh, same question for you, Bell. Like, what's your process preparing for a role? Or specifically this role? Like, how, how does it differ as well? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of freedom when you're only seeing like such small snippets of these mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of freedom to make decisions, but the thing is that you actually have to make them. You have to be so <laughs> decisive. You'd be like, okay, I've made this decision. Now I'm sticking to it. If the director says yes, then we're good. <laughs> That's kind of um, where I am with it. And to get into character, I mean, we had a really, really lovely intimacy workshop that we all, all went through as a cast mm-hmm. um, and with our director as well, with Faye and Eli. And they gave us some like tactics about how to work through intimate scenes together um, with your scene partner. And so I always make sure that we do a check-in before we get into character and before we go and start the scene. So it helps kind of uh, differentiate yourself. Like you get to take that piece of you that's just you and not like that doesn't follow you into the scene you get to take that put it in your backpack put it away for now and then you get to replace it with a piece of you a piece of this character mm-hmm. basically um so that you're not carrying you don't carry your whole self into the scene there's not not everybody gets to see every part of you all the time so um which i feel relates a lot to teaching but that's another <laughs> conversation in and of itself <laughs> so, uh you mentioned the, the check-in. What does that look like? So there's multiple different check-ins. I love there's a check-in that we do, and you like put your fists in the center when everyone's like in together, and you go, potato, and you throw your fists over your hands and open them up, and you go, potato, fries! And it's just, it's, uh, I feel so good. So Especially, it's just a process of like leaving everything else at the door kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Okay, mm. cool. That's great. Interesting. So you mentioned the intimacy workshop. What does that actually mean? So is there people that come in and do that? Yes. Yeah, so Faye and Eli run a company or part of a part of company. Works for a company. Part of a company that does intimacy workshops. And they come in and work with uh, actors that are doing intimate scenes or even scenes that are just like, like even just physically touching someone is intimacy. Like that's, you have to learn about consent. You have to learn about what that means as two humans that are interacting this way. So uh, they come in and they talk about consent and they talk about what it looks like to be in a scene with someone uh, and to intimately act with someone. Um, And they give you like techniques that you can use. So different uh, ways of checking in with like, whether you feel comfortable having like your arms touched that day or like your head or your face and just like checking in and knowing and understanding someone else's body. Because if you're gonna touch each other, you need to understand what that means on stage and for the other person. 
Interesting. And I would actually say Faye coming in and helping us with that language and those tools Mm. has made the cast more intimate. I feel like the cast has then been able to say what they are comfortable with and and what they are not. They connect, they Mm -hmm. um, check in. And I, I think it's allowed for a deeper connection and deeper intimacy on stage that's built on trust yeah, yeah there's a lot of safety in it and respect i feel yeah. very very safe yeah because yeah. yeah. classically you'll always have a fight choreographer hopefully um mm-hmm. but intimate scenes where just the director might say like okay go and <laughs> that's where problems arose and yeah. so to protect everyone in the process uh i really appreciate having the intimacy coordinator come into the process yeah that's interesting. I'd never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember it became a way more common thing pretty recently yeah. in yes. film and theater, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the. I would say within the last ten years. Yeah, yeah it's it was been pretty recently. talked about, and then even now it's kind of trickled its way into community theater. I would say in the last five years. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could remember. There was like a big news story, or maybe there was like a documentary or something that came out about this side of the industry. I can't remember what it was, but I'll look it up later. Yeah. Yeah, this started being a pretty big conversation pretty recently, but... It's huge. Like, you know, consent is, you know, the rights of an actor and the rights of a person. You should be able to communicate that to a director. Yeah, Yeah. it's so important. That's crucial. I couldn't imagine doing the show without that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what people used to do. Yeah. Like, okay, just go kiss. What? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy (laughs) that you think, like, committees like that didn't exist. Yeah. 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 For the amount of time that theater's been a thing. Yeah. Seems so basic, like a basic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Big discussion we had, because I was in university during COVID, is that COVID was like a double pandemic for the theater for Mm. many reasons. Mm. But it was an opportunity, because it's been around for so long, theater is inherent to society and civilization, to re-look at all these things that were wrong. And I think a lot of that came to, like, making sure, like all the people that are sort of like taken advantage of and not just like in a physical sense but just like in an economic sense yeah in like how they volunteer for these things mm. um so there's a lot of people even just in vancouver um trying to make a difference in okay our interns we pay them because they are working for us and it's um more accessible to a wider range of artists if we can accommodate them for their work and then even into intimacy coordinating it's like okay covid restarted everything and now from here on since we didn't do theater for a year we're just going to make sure we have an intimacy coordinator everything for example and even to further that i would say you know I have horror stories of actors going on stage sick and and running off stage and puking in buckets. And now that would just never happen. (laughs) You just are like, you're sick. You stay home. You stay away from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. I love that. Yeah. I'm so so... Because my, my profs would, yeah. that's. Like, I had the shakes one day. I was yeah. like, I had a, also had a spray tan. And I remember I was sweating so bad that I had lines from my spray tan to be <laughs> on stage. And I was so sick. And it was just expected. You go on stage. You Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the show must go on. That's yeah. what you would say. Mm-hmm. Which is so gross. It's so yeah. gross. Yeah. <laughs> we had um, a friend of mine on uh, last year on the show, Chris Taylor. And he was in Midsummer as well. Yeah. And, um... But I went to high school with him, and he did uh, a high school play, uh, Caucasian Chalk Circle, I think, and he was the lead, and he, I think he was the lead. Uh, Anyways, he was in a play, 
and he got appendicitis during oh my. show week. Oh. And so he was in the hospital, uh, had appendicitis, and then he was on stage the next day. He did not. Yeah. No. Oh, oh yeah. God. He ah. was. He missed one performance. That's it. Oh. Yeah. That's and he incredible. was like, he he felt bad missing the one, and I'm like, yeah. it's okay, you can yeah. miss the I mean, one. Can, yeah, but it you wasn't. You literally were in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gonna laugh when he hears me talking. Out. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Show must go on. Show must go on. He was, and he was fired up for it too. He felt so bad that he missed the the mm-hmm. one performance. Wow. But I'm like, this is a high school play. It's you're okay. <laughs> you're gonna be fine. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was wild. Wow, that's funny. I know him. I didn't. I didn't. I never heard that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can ask him about that. He'll, he brags about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so powerful. I mean, theater people are like so strong because they're so passionate about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Like you get so invested in the story, in the characters, in the cast. You see these people every day. You work with them. You know, you have your own family for the you know, how long? When did you guys start? Couple months ago. Oh, or? start the show. Yeah. Well, I don't even know November. when auditions were. Yeah, November. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like well, that's how does fast? That's right. That's Very a shorter fast. lead time than I would have thought it would. It's be. a little bit shorter than I would say our Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah. 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 A little shorter. Interesting. Is it? Is it just like? Is it? Has it been an easier process? Is that why? Mm-hmm. Is there less to do? No, but <laughs> <laughs> the language is not quite as difficult. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, have you, like you guys have felt that like you've come together as a family already, right? Yeah, I think I've I've had the ability to connect with like different people. That I haven't had the ability to connect with everyone because we've only had so many rehearsals where we're actually together. And we don't so have any scenes together. We have no scenes together, so we never see each other. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. I'm like, oh hey, in passing, I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm leaving. You're okay, here. I'm here. Have a good time. <laughs> um, so. In that sense, it's sort of your scene partners do become your family. One of my, yeah. well, I would say two of my scene partners. One was a friend from school, so we get to connect a lot in our scene, and that's been a lot of fun. We also connected a lot in the summer show. Um, but another scene partner, uh, at auditions, she walked in, and we had just started doing improv together in Vancouver. And so it's been really fun where for the a couple of the weeks we see each other Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday <laughs> and it's just fun to sort of have build like start building a community in the theater world in the lower mainland and one of my scene partners is part of that because I have to see her once a day for half the week <laughs> interesting yeah, I think I don't think we'll have any problem getting into that once we uh, start the run. I mean, Monday we have tech, so we'll do that, and then we'll be together all week for yeah. for two two weeks, two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we'll have any trouble just hopping onto that train and then I don't know, do a show Sunday, party Sunday night. Who knows? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah. How has it been for the director? Amazing. Yeah. Dream, like, I think the hardest part of a director's job is to cast the show. And once the show is cast, if you've done your job, it naturally falls into place. Mm-hmm. And I feel so incredibly lucky. I'm super biased, but I have the best cast in the world. Wow. Uh, <laughs> they're amazing. They're so talented. And it's so it's so natural to watch them on stage and the feedback that I give. Sometimes I'm like, I know this is really picky, but we're there. We got this. We can get here. Um, so, yeah, it's been a dream director's dream yeah 
Is this uh, is this your first time directing? This is actually my second time directing for Bard in the Valley. Okay. Yeah, I did a pandemic show. Ooh. We did like a 2021 show. I was the complete works of William Shakespeare Bridge. A oh, ton of fun. That's right. A ton of fun. Um, but that was a, a special show in its own. Yeah. I'm sure it was. <laughs> was that that one was outside, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And you mentioned that this is one that you always wanted to act in. Mm-hmm. What's that experience been like? Like looking at it through a different lens than one that you wanted oh, to previously. Yeah, it's so lovely because I have like a even stepping into the role as president, I have a different view on on theater and show, and it's it's more of like I start to see a bigger picture of lots of pieces fall into place. Whereas when I was an actor, you saw just like a little window of part of the process so it's it's just so different and really uncomparable if that makes sense yeah how much of and i'm sure this differs from person to person so this would be more for you directly is um how much of the brain is shared from (laughs) acting to directing That's a good question. That's a great question. So he comes up with questions beforehand, and I always <laughs> he's got this. I have a vision of what it will look like in my head, and the actors do it completely different. It's right. not like you know they can't read my thoughts and then mm-hmm. do it. Um, and I read a great I read like studying in university. I read lots of great stuff that it, you, the rule of thumb was you have to say yes to an actor three times. <laughs> Because you can't destroy their confidence. Right, yeah. <laughs> Actors are funny creatures. They're hilarious. Um, so, you know, I I have to let go of what I think it will look like and allow them to follow their impulses and follow their intuition and their gut. And then from there, I can start to shape it into the direction and the motivation of the scene. And then for this particular show, how this scene fits into the whole of the show. Right. And keeping that you know that through thread and making sure it's still universal but unique in its own 10 minutes right yeah so i imagine it's like you are starting you're picturing it from one place because mm-hmm. you always wanted to act in it so i'm sure you have pictures <laughs> of how things work in your head and then the actor comes and they're starting from another place are you mm-hmm. landing somewhere in the middle or are you more leaning to go with what the actor's coming to the table with i really let the actors bring alive that scene and let go of my preconceptions and I think it's stronger that way because they're not trying to guess what's in my head they're following all of their impulses and I think it makes for a stronger scene and and most of the time it's better than what would be in my head Hmm. it's way stronger oh yeah and beautiful in its own way and because the actors are so strong I don't look at it I'm like I don't like grind I'm like oh no no look away (laughs) um it's like it's like wow yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Powerful. Yeah. To watch them kind of do their art. Yeah. Yeah. You guys feel the same? Oh yeah. I just watched the we just watched the first act. I'd never seen anyone else's scenes. And so we just watched the first act. Was that last Wednesday? Mm-hmm. And I was like crying, laughing, <laughs> like chills. I just had all the feels and it was uh, yeah, very wonderful to see what everyone had created with Madison leading the way. Yeah, I think as an actor, it feels really important to be given the room to get my three yeses. Um, But (laughs) at the same time, it's really helpful when I'm stuck on a scene or 
when I'm studying three, four characters and I've let one of them sort of fall behind because I didn't get the scene yet, to get some outside thoughts is really helpful when I'm stuck on, like, a part of a scene or maybe a whole scene. So, um, it's not just Madison watching us and giving us thumbs up. <laughs> um, asking questions on both sides has been, like, vital to the process and making this... Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's my character that I created, but it's also a play that you're directing, and so getting the assistance is necessary for me to feel satisfied with it, I think. Hmm. So I guess building on that, then, what... Just as a bird's-eye view, Mm -hmm. what's an actor's relationship with a director, or personally, your relationship Mm -hmm. with a director? Like, what do you you want to see from a director, or what Mm. are the good experiences you've had in the past, or Mm. even the bad experiences, if you want to get into that? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think it's necessary for a director to have thoughts, because the (laughs) worst processes that I've been a part of, the director says great job run the scene again Mm. and we do this two hour long rehearsal for one scene and we run the scene six times and we haven't heard any thoughts Mm. and even if it's a you've done great um that is very nice but i I do want some direction because um sometimes it is hard to know what to do with your body because you're just standing there and you're like oh i like i don't know what to do with my like arms here (laughs) so it's a give and take I think is the relationship and I really value that the processes or the processes that I really value have been ones where the director um, has their finger in every scene but they're first letting it play out with what the actors have done as their homework and brought to the play yeah I have to yeah I agree I feel like there needs to be a balance between like this like strict creativity where there's only one view and there's only one way to do it and then like this openness where you're like everything is a good job and where <laughs> where is the balance on that spectrum mm-hmm. where can where can the director come in and be like okay yes this works for the character even though it's not exactly what i envisioned this is another way to interpret the character and it works and it's strong and it tells the story um versus like there's only one way to do it Um, there's just there needs to be a balance and i think that that yeah the other thing about this process being so great is again the cast because being a part of other community shows like if you have a degree in theater like you come prepared with your work that you've done for the play and the scenes Mm -hmm. and community members and nothing against someone that isn't selling their life to theater but they have a (laughs) nine-to-five job like they can't come to every rehearsal with all this scene study done so the director is going to spend their time with them and you get told, great job, don't change anything. <laughs> and you're there five times a week doing nothing but doing your lines over and over. So it's so refreshing to be a part of a, of a, of a play that is everyone being professional and having the work done so that mm-hmm. we can all be like helping each other make it better. Yeah. So this is like the high-end theater stuff. <laughs> it feels like it. It really does. I agree. <laughs> wow. Yeah, since, since graduating, do, doing three community shows, this one just feels like so good. Awesome. What? Okay, so you said you, you've been in a lot of stuff, both of you, and you as well. What? Where do you guys get your theater fix? Like, mm. how do you interact with theater throughout the year? Because, like, I usually go to, like, the Gallery 7 shows because that's local. Like, do you do you go to Vancouver a lot? 
I'm just curious, like, what's your theater interests? Yeah, uh, I don't spend as much time in a theater as I probably should, as someone who <laughs> participates in theater. Um, and I also have not participated in theater as much as I probably should, uh, having been a person who has a Bachelor of Arts with a major in theater. Um, part of my, my bachelor was disrupted by COVID, so I didn't get to do the last like year and a half of my bachelor and actually get to do the things that I was supposed to do. Um, so that kind of took away from that a little bit. But I try and go, I like every time I know someone that's in a show, I'm like, cool, mm -hmm. I'll go see that. So it's basically just word of mouth, people that I know that are in shows. So I've seen some at Gallery 7, Theatre in the Country, all different, um, kind of all around. And I'll just, if someone's in it that I know, I'm like, cool, I'll go see that. What's up? Or someone tells me about a show that I should see. Cool, okay. But I don't, I don't spend a ton of time in Vancouver. Um, I find parking really expensive, and I don't really <laughs> like that. <laughs> Fair, yeah. No, I just I just ask because I'm just I'm really encouraged. But we've had there's just seems like an influx lately. Like we've mm. seen, you know, theater groups that we've had for a long time. They seem to be expanding. They seem to be growing. We seem to be getting a lot more than we used to. You know, especially post pandemic. Like you said, we're seeing changes that should have been there since the beginning. We've we're seeing better quality theater. You know, Barton the Valley, we're getting two shows instead of one. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just really encouraged. I'm just I was that's just why I was asking. Yeah. Um, it's been weird because for eight years I was in educational theater and was doing like four shows a year, and so Whoa. I've been in it. Wow. <laughs> and so this is my first year out, and it's been weird to be like, oh, I have to do this on my own. I have to go out and like audition myself and sign up for auditions and look at auditions each week. Um, so I've been getting to Vancouver when I can. I'm living in Cloverdale right now, hoping to move out there, but that's a whole process in itself. Um, I really love Pacific Theater. Um, mm. They were closely paired with Trinity's theater program. So um, we were required to go see their shows for university, and I've kept going to see their shows. I really like what they have going on there. Um, I like the Fringe Festival a lot. That has a lot of new theater. Um, Fringe Festival. And that's a lot of just local artists creating new theater, and I love to write, too. That's taken up a lot of my time the last year and a half. Mm. Um, I love the Push Festival, which is just going on soon, which is like international theater being brought to Vancouver. One of my favorite shows I ever saw was during the Push Festival, and I still think about it to this day, where it just blew my mind. Um, and then... Uh, doing improv is where I get sort of like a weekly fix of creation, I guess, where there's no script, we're just playing, and we make something new each time, and maybe it works, maybe we laugh, or maybe we are like, let's not do that again. <laughs> let's move on to some other type of improv. But trying to get my fix any way I can. Interesting. I'm curious about the improv. Yeah. Does... What, how does that look? Is that like a, t for, do you see it as like a tool to help your acting mm -hmm. or is it just like its own thing? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you get from that? So I never heard of improv until I went to university. And once I heard of it, I realized it was just people playing Dungeons and Dragons without <laughs> any rules. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, there, I love this. And mm. I was in it and I like could not stop as soon as I started. And 
yes, the tools for like, okay, I have a script and I have all these words, but I have to decide how I say these things. So improv lends itself to the first part of rehearsal in my mind really well because you have to try things and fail boldly. And that's all improv is, is just trying things and failing boldly. But I think at this point, um, I did four years of improv just like as much as I could. And um, it's its own thing for me at that point where it's, um, I have my theater and I have my improv and I need my improv. And mm. it's really satisfying to be now a part of a troupe that's pushing me more than it did in the university. And it's like really intimidating. And every time we have a show, I get nervous again, which I feel like <laughs> hasn't happened in so long. So, um, it's a tool, but it's also a really satisfying place to like create without bounds, I guess. Ah, that's really cool. I Where are you doing that. improv right now? I'm doing it at the Improv Center on Granville Island. Oh, cool. Um, I got into their rookie league, which was the cool. coolest thing ever. <laughs> I did not think I was going to make it. That audition was rough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I blew it. But they let me onto the rookie league. And wow. it's awesome. intimidating. The people there are good. They're so good. Yeah. But yeah, I saw a show there years and years and years yeah. ago, uh, just to date how long ago it was. It was about three years before the end of Game of Thrones. Okay. Like, before yeah. everyone started hating it, yeah. because that was the theme of the show. Yeah. Okay. Was It was a Game of Thrones-themed yeah. improv show. Yeah. Ooh. So, that was how long ago it was. It was before the public turned on Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're, they do good stuff over there. It's really funny. Good stuff. And it's very easy to do bad improv. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have one of the main stage members who's been there for, for I think, 15 years oh, wow. um, as one of my coaches. Awesome. So, yeah, that's cool. he's just so helpful. And it's, it like, in university, it was students passing down what they knew from their four years of experience, which was good, but it's sort of a cycle, and it's, like, sort of a closed loop, Yeah. and you don't get much out of that. I think they used to, but we sort of just got stuck in a cycle. But being exposed to this whole new world, and I think at the end of January, our group is going to try to do a long-form soap opera show. Wow. That is like, Ooh. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just trying it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, you that piqued my interest on that. That's yeah. challenging. I like that. Yeah, it's really challenging. Yeah. 40 minutes of just a soap opera episode is the idea. Yeah. So, going to make that wow. happen somehow. That's cool. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, quick cool. personal question. Have you seen the movie Don't Think Twice? No. You should. Okay. <laughs> My wife and I were just talking about um, movies that affected us very heavily emotionally. Yeah. And that's one of them. Uh, so it's uh, Mike Birbiglia, Keegan-Michael Key, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Micucci's in it, Chris Gethard's in it. It's like all the big improv people. Mm-hmm. Gillian Jacobs from Community is in it. Mm-hmm. And it's about an improv troupe. Okay. And then one of them gets a job on basically Saturday Night Live. And it's just about how this group of tightly knit friends deals with the fact that one of them has huge success when they've all been trying for that one specific thing their whole lives. Oh, that's tricky. And it hit, we watched it, it was right after we got married, and the day we got married, the day after, all of our friends moved away. So we just had like the biggest day of our lives, and then we had no friends, and we just had the two of us. And they were all going to like start the careers and all this stuff, and we were both working dead end jobs. So it was just like wrong place, wrong time, and we both wept so heavily (laughs) after watching that movie. It's it's really great, and I've watched it since and cried just as hard the second time. (laughs) It's great. So that sounds great, and I'll recommend it. I think in the theater community, that's so applicable because it's you see your friends succeed and you have to love them for it yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
That's awesome. You can't leave here without Zach giving you a movie recommendation. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. It's like my goodie bag. <laughs> yeah, like he's just an endless source of like, have you heard of this obscure movie from like 30 years ago? Oh, Zach knows it. He does. <laughs> it's great. Uh, oh, mm, man, I just saw The Whale in theaters. Oh, I've, yeah, I've wanted to. <sighs> I was crying in the theater so hard. It was rough. Yeah. I didn't realize I didn't know anything about like I watched the trailer ahead of time and I'm like oh this is gonna be a tearjerker so I had to go see it but <laughs> then I halfway through I realized okay this is a play like it's based on a play because I'm like okay it's it's only in one room the whole movie is just one room basically I'm like okay this has very playish vibes but and then it just hits you even harder at the end mm. oh it was great interesting do you guys yeah. like movies do you watch movies a lot or not a film buff. I'll, I'll make sure that's known. But I do. I do enjoy movies, no. um, and I enjoy the ones that make me think, make me cry, mm. like stuff that feels challenging to watch in a way. Do you have a good one that sticks out in your mind? Oh man, um, like a recent one that hit yeah, you. Yeah, um, one that stands out. It's not super recent, um, but like Moonlight. Um, okay. That one. That was a really great movie to watch, and. Um, like I'm glad that uh, a award show for film like highlighted it so that I would watch it because right. I might have not mm. caught it otherwise. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I'm not good with movies. No. I I like movies and I'll go to the movie theater or I'll watch some movies at home. But sometimes when I come home, for some reason, it feels so much easier to watch four episodes of a TV show than it does <laughs> to watch a movie. Yeah, I don't know why. That's and how they I, get you. I have a comfort show issue where I just keep returning to the same <laughs> uh, TV shows as well. So I'm just. Is it Friends? No, it's not Friends. Okay. What yeah. What are the comfort shows? Uh, Shit's Creek, mm. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Classic. Um, comfort movie is Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, that's a yeah, great that's a movie. Good, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, see, okay, yeah. then I'm okay. <laughs> I pass. <laughs> I really like that movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's not a pass or fail. And it kind of felt like it was. <laughs> <laughs> ah. And I don't remember. Did we talk about movies when it was Madison and Dylan? No, it's just we Dylan usually the whole talk time, about movies so. on on the show. But oh, I just listened yeah. to it today. So yes, you tried not to uh, devolve and mm, go yes. off on this like <laughs> okay. this tangent where yeah. it was like just a, just a second, a thought about movies, and then you came back. You yeah, brought it back. I remember because Dylan asked us about Mad Max. Mm. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Yes. And that was such an interesting question. But I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then we can ask Madison the same question yeah, because we, we didn't can. already. Oh, yeah, I uh, nothing that comes immediate to mind right now. Because favorite mm-hmm. movie is a horrible question. I don't like asking oh, yeah. that question, but just like one recently. But see, I could talk about The Goonies forever. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a really? great movie. Oh, I like have it memorized. It's a good choice. <laughs> it's the only movie my brother and I would agree on yeah. growing up. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And we would even watch it on TV with commercials <laughs> because you got to see the extra scenes, which before oh, DVD players, you could not just deal. watch Ooh. the extra added scenes. So uh-huh. it was a big deal growing up. <laughs> I do miss that about DVDs because mm. no one ever has DVDs anymore. But then you never see like the cu- extended editions yeah. or like the cut scenes or the blooper reels. Like that's all gone. No one ever watches that anymore. No. It's a it's a missed opportunity. <sighs> yeah, you have to go to like YouTube and find <laughs> the blooper reels. Like I know, like some shows, I'll do that for. Yeah. yeah. But like, 
I'll never look for that for a movie anymore. Like extended yeah. editions yeah. or Ooh. blooper reels. Used to be a big part of watching the movie, though. It was, was. going through the DVD oh, menu. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I still know people that they will buy the DVD so that they can listen to the, uh, like, What's the commentary. The commentary. Yeah. Actually, watch it again, but with the actors and the directors talking about it over, like yeah. over it. Oh. It's great. Yeah, I have a couple DVDs of important things to me. Like, there's a mini series over the garden wall, mm. which um, is a Cartoon Network mini series, but it's ten episodes, and I watch it like a movie every time I watch it. And the um, listening to the commentary is just great. Um, that that shows, like. I, again, I treat it like a movie. That one has been really important to me since high school. Like, I go back every Halloween and watch it because Interesting. it's just beautiful stuff, beautiful animation. Hmm. Really? Yeah. What is it, what, what was it that really hit it for you? Yeah. Um, oh, man, it was so inspiring. Like, I've thought so long, like, I want to turn this into a stage musical. And I saw recently <laughs> the creator retweeted someone who did that. I'm like, ah! <laughs> um, but it is the story of two brothers traveling through this wood, and they call it the unknown and there's all these quirky settings they find themselves in. And at first it's sort of episodic, where it's like, okay, these don't relate. But then it's like, you see the thread through everything, Ooh. and they're in this place that they're stuck in. And it's this deeper thing about why are they here? What is this place in their world? Um, and, like, sort of the the role two brothers play that, like, I can picture, like, me and my little brother, like, having these conflicts with each other and, like, having a hard time, not necessarily growing up in favor of each other, but in the end, in this story, they, like, the older brother, like, just grows up and he has to save his little brother, and that was, like, hit me really hard because I was like, oh, I need to go and, like, I need to be able to save my little brother. Oh, So that one stood out for me, but I think there's a lot of themes in it that stick out for a lot of my friends that, like, showed it to me originally, and a lot of people that happen to watch it every Halloween in my friend group. Interesting. great. I want to watch it. (laughs) I love when people, like, share with us those, like, little, those, like, little things that they always go back to. Like, this is, like, my story, you know? I, like, watch this movie every year. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why is that? Like, what is it about that that gets you? It's different every time. I mean, yeah. I love it. The other part is the music. Music's great oh, in that little show. It, okay. It's, it's a little musical. That's like, a seller sorta. for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What so, you? Oh. Which one? You have, like, that one, like, story that you always go back to that you, like, watch every year or you, like, you read every year. Oh. I do a lot of Harry Potter in the summer. <laughs> mm. But for lots of people, that's the Christmas. It's yeah. a Christmas. For they me, feel like honorary summer. Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's a summer thing for me because... Mm. Every when when she was writing the books, they would come out in the summer, and so I would reread the whole series until the new one came out in the summer. Every year, every single year. Wow, those are thick books. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, and and I am the same age as like Daniel Radcliffe and Mm -hmm. um, Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, and so I actually felt like I grew up with them. Like Mm -hmm. I watched them. Like we were the same age every single time. Wow. And when the final book came out, I remember I was at a grad party um, in at the end of June in the summer, and I couldn't wait for everyone <laughs> to go to sleep after the party because I stood up and read. <laughs> everyone... <laughs> wow. Wow, oh, that's... Mm, I love that. And it took me, like, ten years to learn the power of love, so I feel like that's so strong in friendship. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's why you're such a great director. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I cut you off. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember where I was leaping off from. I remember my question. I had a smooth segue and I lost it. So I'll just go <laughs> right to it. <laughs> um, so just to go back, you know, to the beginning, what got you guys into acting at, at oh, the start? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask what's, that. What's your origin story? <laughs> I got mine on my brain. You have yours on your brain? You just have that? Oh, yeah. You just carry that right in your pocket? It's, it's a pretty good story. Like, it's short. Aired. It's short. Yeah. But, um... I was in high school. It was my first day of high school. I was following this cute girl around all day. And she said, you should come do the chorus for the musical. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that was it for me. Um, but the big thing there was it was a family. And they took me in. So uh-huh. like those seniors in high school, they just were like took this little freshman in <laughs> and I have never felt so loved and I felt so lucky to be chosen from the pack but <laughs> that kept me there after the cute girl invited me mm. <laughs> I love that yeah I uh I don't know if you've seen The Perks of the Wallflower yeah, oh, yeah. I like watched it like last week oh yeah <sighs> yeah that yeah yeah anyways hmm. that reminded me of that you know what? No, you definitely reminded me of why I... Yeah. yeah. Uh, in grade nine, I went and saw the show that my high school did, which was the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Oh, yeah! Mm-hmm. And I had a huge crush on the guy playing Chip. <laughs> huge crush. I'd seen him in Greece like two years before that so I was in grade seven and he would have been in grade eight so it was his first year and I had a, I was like oh my gosh like that guy's so cute and then when I saw him again when I was in grade nine and he was doing that show I was like yep I'm gonna do that I can do that that'll be good and then I went in the audition for the musical the next year and uh, yeah. the, the history the rest was history was, and I was now in. you sorry go ahead oh that's it I was oh, in <laughs> yeah. and now you're teaching yes yeah yeah. How, how did that trajectory go? Um, I loved my theater teachers in high school. They are I, and now I've worked with them multiple times, which is crazy. Such a weird, such a weird thing. They like raised me in the theater. Mm-hmm. I felt like so much of my identity and like who I am, uh, the very core of who I am, really came in those like formative years in grade like ten, eleven, twelve, which is crazy because I maybe I just didn't even know anything about myself before that. Um, yeah, so uh, seeing just how much they affected me, def- like, it was a no-brainer. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, I'm going to teach high school theater. Yeah, that really resonates with me, too, because yeah. I was planning on teaching, mm. um, and my teacher said, I asked him, I'm like, oh, what is it like in the business? He says, I don't know. I went from university to teaching <laughs> theater. <laughs> and that was a piece of, I need to do this but if I ever want to teach it because I want to I want to give a kid who asked me about the business an answer Mm -hmm. um and the other thing was I had like a really just great year of theater in my last year of high school Mm -hmm. and that was like really affirming I was like I need to do this I need to just commit to getting a degree in this and that um that changed the trajectory because I was about to go to school for education with theater as my teachable Mm -hmm. Hmm. Do you have a day job? Uh, I work on a ropes course um, on my university's campus for now, um, just because I worked there um, as a student, and they've kept me on, and they've they've treated me so well, um, and it's a really flexible thing to do with acting. Yeah. Um, 
but even that, uh, the the idea is like team building and getting mm-hmm. people to participate. Yeah. Even the theater training benefits that so much. And my my boss, um, thinking about my work visa and thinking about how I'm gonna move on from the ropes course soon. She keeps talking to me about this workshop she wants me to create that involves <laughs> theater, that involves team building, that involves oh. teaching. And she's like, well, you can do it through our company and we'll support you. And she's so lovely. That's right. amazing. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Wow. It, it, it really feels like I've been able to find, oh, I have a thing that I sort of say is like, whatever I do with my life, I want me to be giving what I know to someone else. Whether that's through teaching, whether that's through my performance as an actor, or whether that's through like these team building exercise, like I want to be sharing my knowledge with others. And so, so far, the things I've found and tried to stick to have fulfilled that, and that's felt great. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great I love that. Process. Everyone should think like that. I, yeah. I would hope so. Ah. And so, sorry, you said it was high school that you teach? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I've, I've subbed in a couple other, like, elementary and uh, middle okay. school classes as well, so just kind of everywhere and everything. <laughs> I've been teaching more uh, math and science than <laughs> anything else, which is so funny. How's that and going? Great, because every time I go in there, they're like, hmm, you don't teach math, do you? <laughs> I'm like, wow, is that obvious? Uh, <laughs> they're like, hmm, do you teach, like, music or drama i was like hmm wow. okay wow they've got you to a team yeah, yeah. Oh. i'm really out here just like showing who i am to everyone apparently <laughs> even these like 14 year olds yeah those were the best substitute teachers though growing up where like you could tell that it wasn't their thing but they still like they gave tried. it a shot yeah, yeah. but well, also you could tell that they weren't like super concerned if you like <laughs> were that invested in it because they weren't that invested in it that was me today (laughs) i I had to i taught grade seven math and uh i i i almost did not make it through high school math like i tried to take i took pre-cal all the way through high school and i was did not go well for me and so i had to relearn how to multiply decimals this morning before the bell went and i was like furiously typing into youtube like videos about how i can learn how to multiply decimals and i'm watching them i'm like what is happening? Why is this number going over here? I'm like, wow, this is not my subject area. But then I learned it and I taught it and they understood. So, you know. Wow. That's a win. We're here. Yeah. We're, we're out here doing it. <laughs> and it's just a nice reminder that everyone's just kind of doing it last minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just figuring it out as we go along. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. I like that. Uh, I'm really like you both mentioned it in talking. Like you've had the impact of powerful role models in your in your life like whether it's your boss or your teacher drama teacher or whoever it is like you've got people that actually care whether you make it or not Mm -hmm. and now that we see the fruits of that labor and you're 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 already planning the next generation how you guys are going to teach your skills and gifts and knowledge to other people Mm. that's amazing (sighs) yeah thanks yeah that's just like exactly that where it's like I have these people that inspired me and like if I want to be like them that means I want to be inspiring to others and mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. I think that's why a lot of people go into teaching yeah like, I think I've so been too. I've been guided by this person yeah. and I hope I can do that for one student in the future yeah actually that really that resonates with a, a quote they tell you on the first day of teaching school where they um, 
well, at least in the SFU PDP with my group, my cohort of, of 35 or however many, um, we read an article by Parker Palmer, and the quote is, you teach who you are. And that has resonated throughout everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. You teach who you are. You, you cannot escape that. So you better be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That. That, that's with acting. Like, you act who you are. You act who you are. Like, you have a script, you have a character, mm-hmm. and maybe you're a psychopath in your role, but you play who you are. Like, yeah. you, mm-hmm. that's, that's a piece of you, and you have to commit to being whatever it is as yeah. yourself draw out your own qualities to put into that yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. you feel like that's how it is because I'll, I'll be honest an actor's brain is not a brain that i understand at For all <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel like that's how it is like you're distilling certain parts of your personality and kind of funneling them into into a different personality you're not like you don't feel like you're drawing from elsewhere you always feel like you're drawing from within i feel like it's a little bit of both feel like you maybe draw like inspiration from outside but you do need to pull that emotion out of yourself from something yeah it can't just come from from nothing yeah 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 i think also there's different styles like um the type of acting that i was trained in at my school um one of the main um people we styles we studied under was meisner and that's um Mm. sanford meisner and that's like um, your impulses are king, so like your impulses mm. decide everything. So that's where the inside, like yourself, sort of comes in. Um, but there are other styles, and also like I remember I went to go see a play at Pacific Theater that was about Joan of Arc, and the main person who played Joan, she had gone to like the original home of Joan of Arc wow. and like, studied. And so like there are things when you're doing like a historical piece. Yeah. Or I played Gomez Adams in high school. I had to play <laughs> Gomez Adams. I couldn't just play myself. So there are things that I have to have external. But there is that piece of me that makes it me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, can't really avoid it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that. Sorry, go ahead. The, the, yeah, I was just like, the last thing is, is like some places, some of the places in Vancouver, the way they teach is cookie cutters. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not how I prefer, but that is really popular for some musical theater um, acting. Is How like, do you mean? Um, like, I don't know exactly what school people would reference, but, um, they will get, let's say a guy who can sing, dance, and like be like the lead role in a musical, which historically for a long time has been sort of a similar character. It's like, oh yeah, that's the Mm. leading man. He does this. He acts like this sort of a stock character almost. So they try to get actors to be able to all do that role because that's the one that pays the most, for example. And that's mm-hmm. what they're paying for at this degree is to get roles like that. So mm. a little bit of the idea of like elimination of self to be able to achieve a certain role. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like, like, I don't, I don't think that's everyone always, or if that's, if that's the style, I don't think that's a hundred percent. They've gotten rid of themselves, but sometimes that's an idea in a style of acting. Mm. Cool. I had no idea it was so intense. <laughs> yeah, it could be intense. I mean, acting sounds exhausting, which I think is why, that's part of why I don't, I can't put myself in that mm-hmm. mindset, because I just can't picture putting myself through that at all. It's so satisfying. Well, unless we're acting all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you do a role and you have a scene that's so exhausting because you're fully in it, you fully believe it, and then afterwards, like the audience coming up to you afterwards to tell you that like, 
they were there with you, yeah. that's, that's what makes it worth it. Yeah, that's I, fair, yeah. yeah. Seeing I, the results of it yeah. after the fact, yeah. yeah. Fruits of your labor, pretty immediate yeah. and rewarding. You do find it exhausting, though, right? E, uh, <laughs> yes and no. O- only because I think I view that everything that we do is acting. When you're not, like, when you are around people and not just around by yourself... I think the way that we exist as human beings is somehow some kind of acting. Mm. We have this personage that we put on as we go out the door. We don't Mm. necessarily do all the same things around all the people that we see or all the people in our lives, close people that are close to us, people that are not as close to us, strangers. Um, I don't think we act the same around everyone as we do by ourselves. So I think there is some kind of uh, balance there's something, something in understanding that we are acting all the time that fi- I find less tiring to go and mm-hmm. act. Because I think it's just my mindset that I view that I'm, well, I'm already acting. Um, and teaching is yeah. acting to an extent as well. You can't be, you can't bring your entire self to the classroom. There's there's parts of yourself you probably should, should hold back. <laughs> yeah. One, so. one of the pieces of, like, the training that I went through was... Uh, all these guideposts, and one of them is game playing and role playing. So that exact mm-hmm. idea is every room you're in, and this is for like an acting scene study. But one of my profs likes to say, "Acting theory is life, and life is acting theory. They go mm-hmm. hand in hand." As Shakespeare would say, "All the world, all the stage. world is stage." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that is so right. So game playing, role playing, like you have a different role you play at home with your family than you do mm-hmm. at work with your boss, and you should stick to those because if you walked around without pants at work you might get fired mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. That's, that's how you are at home that's how you are at home but you're not like that at work so that's how yeah. I and that's like a very that. good physical embodied like physical metaphor for physical metaphor yeah. for your personality as well mm. that reminds me I guess the idea that even someone that works in let's say customer service mm-hmm. like they I always hear it all the time they say oh I'm somebody else at work mm-hmm. you know yeah. you put on this fake smile or the whatever it is but I have a tough time believing that that's not them because yeah. like it's still it's still an aspect of their personality they're just <clears throat> not that all the time yeah a really important thing that I was told was because that, yeah, that's, I, I in my mind, I'm separating how you say you're acting in your life. is like mm-hmm. you're playing a role. Mm-hmm. And then the difference with, like, in my mind, in acting in theater is the rule of thumb in theater for it to actually be theater is that the audience knows it's a play and the actors know it's a play. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's a, someone's pulling a prank and, like, it's some, they're, like, playing a scene out in public. But the audience, the people around them, don't know it's a scene. That's not theater. That's the people around them being affected honestly about what what you're doing. Interesting. So is guerrilla theater not theater? Um, That's a great discussion. Because, (laughs) I mean, like, to an extent, like, maybe it's, uh, what are those things called when everyone dances in a room? Like a flash mob. Flash mob. Yeah. Like, you pretty immediately realize, oh, these people are dancing. This isn't real life. Yes. They're not being controlled by some deity dancing. They're, they're dancing because they're putting on a performance. Yes. And they pretty quickly become an audience. Yes. Um, but if you just go out into public and start a fight with your friend, <laughs> but you're doing stage combat, <laughs> but no one knows, like, <laughs> you might get arrested. And, like, <laughs> like, they're not, like, what are they going to believe? Like, so. That's true. I don't know. There, there's a limit. I think there's a line. And if you're doing some sort of guerrilla theater, that pretty immediately it becomes apparent it's a performance. 
That, in my mind, I would call theater. Interesting. But if the audience doesn't know for the whole time that it's a performance and they believe it honestly, yeah. that would be crossing a line almost in, in my, I guess, in my training. So then is that performance then? And is there a difference between performance and theater? I Yeah, I think I'm using performance as like theater. I think those Okay, are interchangeable. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so what's guerrilla theater? Uh, like surprise theater. So you go out into public and you perform a scene that you and another actor or multiple actors have prepared. Mm. Um, but you go out into a place, into a different space where maybe people don't know that you are about to perform a scene. And it could be any kind of scene, a fight scene. Maybe you have stage combat um, prepared. Maybe it's an argument. Maybe it's a, a discussion that's happening kind of loudly that you might want to see what other people's reactions are. It could be like at the Sky Train or at the mm -hmm. coffee shop mm -hmm. or... Yeah. Kind of like a, a place you wouldn't typically see a performance. Mm -hmm. So just seeing the effect on an unexpected audience. Yes. Interesting. I've never heard of that before. Me neither. Mm -hmm. I assume it's a thing. It makes well, sense, it like in it theory. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we should try that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Bard in the Valley should... Like, <laughs> oh. I would love to take one of those scenes and not keep the lights on. Yeah. No, I guess not. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine the, uh, imagine the, um, what's the, I don't know what the title of the scene is that you have with Cassie. Getting oh, it back. Getting, getting it, it back. back. All the love. All the love. And going and doing that in public mm -hmm. as a guerrilla theater piece, that'd be, mm -hmm. I would, I would love to see people's, I would love to be around for that. Yeah. To give context, that scene's about like a breakup sort of happening. So that's sort of that idea oh, okay. of this intense altercation. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, my character's like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and so that as a guerrilla theater would be interesting. I would be, yeah, just wondering what the audience would do. Like, would they stay and watch? Would they try and break it up? Like, oh, that's, that's the thing. It's like, they're not an audience if they don't know it. And so I would not do that. <laughs> I just couldn't pay me to do that. Really? Like, no, like that's, that's against what I was taught theater is. So that's, yeah. that's interesting how training differs. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So it's not a nerves. That's the vibe I got at first was that, that oh. it was a nerves thing for you, but it's like, it, you're standing on some moral ground here. Yeah, I, I like. I can think back to university. Me and my doormates would like do something stupid in the calf for attention and like be like faking something. But like, since it wasn't a rehearsed scene, that was okay in my mind. But it, it is like, just something one of my profs said is that like it's important that both parties know. And I think there is something to be said for some sort of flash mob type of like presentation, where. I think I would do it if it's going to be obvious it's some sort of presentation or performance. Right. But mm. something that's like... Something that looks Could be real, mistaken. Like, <laughs> that, that's, that's iffy to me on, yeah. like, on like, a like moral and what I think theater is standpoint. Hmm. What do you think about those, um, like those reality shows where they put the actors in and they like oh. do similar things? Like, they like yeah. belittle like somebody at the cashier register yeah. or they like make a scene. <clears throat> that's interesting because I actually sort of like those. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think I like, you know, understand. they they like put like they they have an actors at a grocery store and they, you know, they have like a guy at the counter and he like he, he like either it's either positive or negative like either he's like really rude or something like that or he's like, you know, he pretends not to have like enough money to pay for it or something like that. And like just seeing what other people do, like do they step up? Okay. Do yeah. they like try and break up the argument? Do they It's really yeah. interesting. Like there's like, you know, the cheesy 
shows like that. Well, like and, Impractical Jokers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, extreme yeah. sense, jackass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, yeah, But like, I remember watching like cut or like a blooper reel of yep. jackass <laughs> where they would like pay the people afterwards to say sorry or like yeah. or like in those cases, is it? I'm wondering in my mind if it's okay if like they tell them afterwards. So maybe Gorilla Theater in my mind could be okay if afterwards they stood up and say this was a performance. Thank you for watching. Like maybe yeah. that like that already yeah. feels like I would do that more. But if I did a scene and left it and made all these people <laughs> thinking that something horrible or intense just happened, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. And I wonder if that's like normal practice for Gorilla Theater is to like have like a ba- like yeah. bow afterwards, like like mm. curtain call vibe. <laughs> Clap, please. <laughs> We're waiting for applause. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, like you'd have to, again, because of like a moral thing. Like You don't want to leave people with that question. Like That's not the intention that you have walking in with something like that. I wouldn't think. Maybe you do. And it depends on, I think, also the intensity. Like, I might mm-hmm. have a scene that's an intense conversation, but like physical, that's a line for me. Absolutely nothing <laughs> physical in front of mm-hmm. an audience no. that doesn't know they're an audience. Yeah. Because I don't want to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> or worry anyone, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. It, it, I'm, I'm recalling uh, a, a clip I watched years ago, and there was, it was like a TED Talk type of a situation, and there was like a speaker, and then they basically it was just an actor, and the speaker basically like the second half of his speech was just gibberish, and then all the other people in the audience, except like about half the audience was actors, and the other half were regular people, and then all the actors stood up and gave a standing ovation. And then they would try to like see the reaction of the other people. Would they all stand up, even though it's complete nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> like, would they like applaud this person, even though it was ridiculous? That reminds me of the I think it was Brain Games episode where they oh. had the one person who was invisible, and they like put a sheet over him, and the whole audience at this like park show was in on it. And the guy lifted the sheet, and everyone's like, oh, "He's invisible!" And it's this oh, actual participant. Yeah. And, like, oh. and then they're yeah. like worried that they couldn't get him back. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, maybe if the intention of it is to see the reaction, like, I don't know, that's weird. That's a weird gray moral for me. Oh, <laughs> I'm fascinated by this whole discussion. Yeah. yeah. Just thought I'd come in here bringing that morally gray question. Uh, <laughs> I love moral grays. <laughs> Gorilla theater. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, we started with, you know, what's going on now. We talked about the origin story. What about the aspirations? Where? Mm. What are the pie in the sky dreams? Or is this like the show for you guys? <laughs> You're peeking now. <laughs> Any thoughts? Uh, I always thought that I was a singer more than I was an actor because I love to sing, and I always just kind of liked acting and just did it because I usually also sung when I acted. Mm. Um, but this show, I think, has really brought me around to being like, okay, I'm okay with just acting. I actually really enjoy it, which has been very interesting, an interesting turn of events for me because I've spent the last several years thinking I just liked singing uh, and only acted so that I could also sing. Um, but as far as like pie in the sky dream goes, I, w- I want to release my own album. So, Ooh, wow. yeah. What kind of style? Uh, like alt pop. Okay. Yeah. Synth pop. Zach's yeah. in a band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what kind of band? Not synth pop. No. <laughs> uh, like very heavy metal. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, like what, what kind of music are you listening to right now? 
I really love Taylor Swift. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was coming. <laughs> you don't have to apologize for it. No, no. I feel like people always have to feel like they have to apologize. It seems for that like yeah. yeah. Well, because she's yeah. gone through the shit in the media, man. Like yeah. she has had her crazy ups and downs. People have like hated her, so I always feel like I have to justify <laughs> why I like her. But I'm just gonna leave it at that. And the her new album is just it's so good. Um, and so I literally had that on repeat for two months. Money. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So I didn't, I, I didn't know there was a new album. Yeah, it's called Midnights. Yeah. Midnight. <laughs> Came out a couple yeah. months ago, I think. Wow. Yeah. Oh, is that? The, she sings the one that's on all the TikTok videos. Yeah. Antihero. Yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm up on my TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bird in the Valley should have a TikTok. Ooh. New position. It's a lot of work to <laughs> yeah True. to make TikTok make content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have thought about it. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Braden, aspirations, pie in the sky. Yeah, I mean, the one in my mind, I have a couple, but they're sort of different aspects of my life. One is to be Canadian, and that's just, (laughs) since I was in sixth grade, I was like, I want to be Canadian. And I was like, why? I'm like, couldn't tell you. And still, I'm a little bit like, couldn't tell you, but I do like it here. Um, I think, like, I I don't know, there's different levels, you know, like, because there's like pie, like, at the bottom of the sky, where there's like <laughs> pie in space. Um, I love to be able to be creating and be living. Like yeah. if I could just be doing have that. Pay the bills. Like, I'd be so satisfied. And like even if I have to work something else, but I still get to create often. Mm. I still get to um, act, and I love writing so much. Mm. Um, I've really found that writing has been like becoming one of my favorite things. Um, like pl- playwriting, playwriting, yeah. playwriting recently, and. As I read more, like, short stories or, like, manga, things like that, um, I get inspired to create things outside of theater as well and writing. Mm. Um, But then the other thing is, is, like, my parents always, like, tell me, they're like, we can't wait till we see your face on the screen. And, like, I want to make that come true for them in a way. Um, That isn't necessarily, like, where I'm gunning towards. But um, it's sort of just, like if I can be creating and living and just follow the path that's given to me, like I'd be pretty satisfied for a long time. Um, there's a place in Oregon that does Shakespeare that really inspired me in high school. And I've always thought about that as an aspiration. Um, and right now a small one, but still feels like a pie in the sky is if I could act at Pacific theater, like that just be a cool milestone currently to reach. Cool. Yeah. All seems very attainable. All seems attainable, yeah. but like, man, it also like seems so impossible. Like, <laughs> like that's so weird. Is like, it's a moment that changes for an actor. It's like they are like you're struggling and you're struggling and you're struggling, and then one day you get your break. Yeah. And then like you mm-hmm. you get a professional gig, and then it leads to connections for another. And mm-hmm. it's it's a gambling game in a way, and I don't love that, but at the same time, it's thrilling, and why I keep doing it yeah and what about music music oh man <laughs> I I think in the last year I've started to really feel like I'd love to do more vocals I've done okay choir for as long as yeah. I've done theater um and had some vocal lessons in there with my theatrical training um like in high school it was a musical every year and I did one musical in university that felt really great um Otherwise, I don't have any, like, instruments <laughs> under my belt, but I do love singing. Yeah. Um, I've really, really 
just felt like that's just such a satisfying way to get like my emotions out it's very cathartic mm-hmm. um and it just is satisfying when it like sounds good and yeah. it's like oh, i did that like that sounds <laughs> so cool um <laughs> one thing i've thought about a lot with singing is maybe it's a buy this guy or maybe it's something that i just think about and will never do is like an imitation band because i love Ooh. i love trying to match the sound of the people oh, yeah. I'm listening to and I like I really, do that in the car a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> driving a lot, and I really do it. And I feel like if I focused on it, I could. But I don't know if I'll ever follow that. Yeah, yeah. If you could be in a tribute band, who to be? Oh man, if I could be in a tribute band, that's crazy. I, I haven't <laughs> thought about it that intensely. Um, but there's just, something you thought of right away. Uh, who was it? <laughs> 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 the thing I thought of was how much I love rapping Childish Gambino. <laughs> I, I would that. pay endless amounts of money. <laughs> oh man, uh, that I'm gonna stick with that answer because it's fun. Like, are, do rappers have tribute bands? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't like, think so. But you can be a first. Yeah. I could be a first. You can pave that road. Yeah. yeah. Pioneer. Pioneer. I love it. Yeah. We back that 100%. Great. That sounds great. <laughs> it's a year first for Bard. There we go. Have an open We've circled. Yeah. We've circled back to first. Back There's to an first. opening on Wednesday when nobody's using oh. the theater. Oh. <laughs> first oh, yeah. Dark Day. Dark Day? Mm-hmm. Well, what is Dark Day? We have no nothing, it, but everyone has to kind of be on standby just in case. So let's say there's a massive snowstorm on the Monday that's supposed to be our tech. We would just right. bump. Okay. To our dark day. Mm, I like so. learning like the little theater words <laughs> the little that I, no nuances. one really knows. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and then again, I don't remember if we talked about it last time. You can probably remind me because you just listened to the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we talk about aspirations for you last time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a okay. few like yeah. peppered. Yeah, remind yeah. us. Well, I have asp- I have so many aspirations. Like sometimes I have to like reel it in Maddie um (laughs) and uh like I have role aspirations of everyone Mm. like dreams like Mm -hmm. what role they would love to play and I have so many of those especially in Shakespeare because you see so many famous actors portray those as well or you know clips of like the Royal Shakespeare Company or even your favorite kind of players at Bart on the Beach but yeah I um I have so many, and then I have like personal ones, like with my daughter, and like what does Bard in the Valley look like, and yeah. So I think I think I would love to see Bard in the Valley grow just a little bit. My husband would say otherwise, but um, <laughs> to that it's it's sustainable for, and that we're to the point where we're just doing the jobs that we want to do, mm. and just doing the creative jobs because. When you when I signed up for Bard of the Valley, um, I I I did it because I love theater and I believe in theater and I believe in free community free theater for the community, um, and I believe in providing children opportunities and it's all amazing. But what it really is is a business mm-hmm. because you can't do any of that without keeping the lights on, which was something that they don't teach you in theater school. They're not like, well, actually, like, how do you use ticket sales and then buy the next show and make sure that you have this? Um, But, and to also be sustainable, I think it needs to be sustainable, not just for, 
you know, the direct people involved with Bard in the Valley, but for actors who come on board and for people who aren't with us for the next 20 years, but are with us for a few seasons. And how do we just, how do we just be sustainable and do the fun jobs that we all mm-hmm. signed up to do in the beginning? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're slowly working towards that goal and that, you know, that dream would be that every show pays for the next show mm. and that I'm just doing the jobs that I want to do. Mm. <laughs> just direct or just act and not have these multiple hats. Mm. I like that. Yeah. That is the dream. That's the if dream. you can figure out a way to do what you love <laughs> and somehow make a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then sometimes I think like, oh yeah, like maybe one day Bard in the Valley will like pay my mortgage. <laughs> uh, but then I'm like, but then I would have to give up teaching like I can't do that <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> I love teaching mm-hmm. so yeah balancing sustainability figuring it out day by day right now <laughs> yeah. that's great Zach uh, yes excellent <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay uh, we have a couple questions at the end that we always ask but before that Hit us with the show details. Yeah, plug away. Yeah, any of you. Like, it's on what day? Oh, yeah. How long okay. is it? Where can we see it? January 26th to February 5th, but it only runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, Sunday matinees. So the evening shows start at 7 p.m. The matinee shows start at 2 p.m. The show runs about an hour and a half with an intermission, depending on sort of the audience. Um, whether or not they laugh here or there will just depend a bit on the timing. Um, and it's at Fort Langley Hall. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, upstairs okay. and that cool little. So, you know, it's a perfect date night. It's yeah. just before Valentine's Day. Ooh. So if you want to kind of get in good, um, I would say two tickets to Almost Maine will get you in good. <laughs> yeah. uh, you could go for dinner or drinks beforehand. It's, of course. Yeah. Lots it's of like great the restaurants perfect. There. Yeah. And it is, in essence, a love story is what I'm yeah. gathering. Yeah. I do describe it as a rom com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it is much more than that. Hmm. Yeah, because you're seeing nine different silhouettes, nine different love stories, all at different stages of life, um, all with their own unique, you know, pivotal moment of the scene and all these different characters. So there's a lot going on. And if rom-com is not for you, then this show is still for you because, you know, between the nine different shows, you're going to connect to one of Hmm. or two of those characters. So you're still going to get a lot out of it. Awesome. <laughs> okay. What, what's been like, what's been the, str- what's the toughest thing that you guys have had to contend with for the show? Like maybe from a directing perspective or mm. from an acting perspective? I thought COVID was going to be a lot harder on us than it was, but it has not. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not over yet. Um, yeah, I think like like right now for us never having performed in this venue, the hardest part is that we don't get to use the venue. Mm-hmm. We'll go in and we have basically four days to get comfortable, build everything, build the lights, build the sound cues, um, and then kind of hope for the best. So we don't have a lot of time to make a mistake. We'll come across hurdles and we're just going to have to figure it out with what we have. We can't order a special light because we don't have time. So it'll be, be a little bit of trial by error. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? 
I have one scene where I really, really, really struggle to memorize my lines because um, so many of my lines start with, I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah. That was very, very <laughs> difficult when I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, but in a different way, mm. which is mm. now I'm circling back to the, that very beginning piece of how real it is and, uh, and why it makes it so difficult. I think for me, it's... I haven't seen the whole play as one play yet. Mm. We've rehearsed mm. the first act, we've rehearsed the second act. First read, we were missing some people, so we didn't read every scene. I was late. Um, <laughs> there's a lot With of things. Saving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that screws everyone up. It really does. So there's a lot of things that is just like, I don't know my arc yet fully. I don't mm -hmm. fully understand like what each of my characters do in the play so like sort of like I get what the scene is but that whole plot of the whole play mm -hmm. I'm really hoping the next couple of rehearsals help me find what plot device I am in the arc of the whole show mm. that's fascinating that even I, I you guys are basically the leads is that correct yeah, Every, everyone's, everyone's shared. the leads everyone's yeah. shared it's equal okay yeah. but like even you know, uh, you're acting in the majority of scenes, but you still don't really know the full story. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I know it as a script, but I don't know it as my fellow actors. Yes. Like, when it's it alive. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just like, there's not much to change at that point because you have mm -hmm. your scene and you've done what you do. But like, if one of my scenes is the last scene of intermission, I have to think about a little bit more what kind of weight I want to end it with. Mm. Like, what's the tone? What's the space between these lines? And it's so minute, and it's so, like, nitty, uh, nitpicky, but um, it's still part of it, and I, I love those parts because it makes it a little bit more effective for the audience. How much of that do you feel comes together day of? And man, audiences change everything. Yeah. Like you can yeah. do all the nitpicking you want, but uh, like as soon as you have an audience, it's a new show. Yeah, yeah I always tell my family it's a different show from the first, the mm. first time you perform it yeah. to the last time. Mm -hmm. There's a huge change, and there's nothing about intentions or acting, mm -hmm. and everything about the style and the flair that's kind of comes naturally from doing it. Mm. However many times, yeah, you do a show. Yeah, yeah, that is very noticeable. Like you see the first night and you see the last night, and it's a different show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone seems a little bit more relaxed too, mm -hmm. which I'm sure that's just because you're done. But <laughs> well, that's when the tears come. Yeah, you get that like ten minute standing ovation at the end. You just you're bowing and then you <laughs> bow again and then again. No, you can you can, you figure out where you got to hit it. Like you mm. figure out, and you can hear the audience, you feel it, their reaction, so you start to learn um, where that's going to come, and you can anticipate mm. it, or you can play it up, or not. And like it just really kind of depends. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm excited to see this show. I really <laughs> am. Gonna love it. Oh, you You're are going to love it. That's yeah. what I tell everyone. I know. They're like, Me oh, too. yeah, we're, we're going to come see it. I'm like, no, th you're going to love this show. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Okay. Is there? Do you guys have any other like deep passions, like theater, teaching? We've talked about. Is there anything else that defines you? In the last year, I've gotten so much inspiration from anime and manga. Like, mm. like, it's like that's my Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, uh, anime and manga, don't be mad. <laughs> um, but man, like I don't know. Like all my life, I would just sort of like not think about it like people would talk about it, like that's weird 
Okay, mm-hmm. you weeb. But I fully embraced it recently, mm-hmm. and like, there's one specifically right now, um, and I just love the author. I go back and I've read all his works after oh. I finished one of the series that he wrote, and it's just like. Oh, it's so rich, and he loves film, so every single thing he's done has had some sort of, like, um, uh, homage to film. Okay. And, um, the, and he's, like, helping the direction of the anime, and people thought it was going to be this crazy sort of, like, hyper-pop style anime with all these flashing colors, but he's trying to make it, like, all these American films that have inspired his writing, mm. and so it's, like, almost, like, realism and, like, real, but it's animated, um, and I think in the plays that I've written, especially the one that I just wrote in the fall, um, I wrote one for a play festival that's going up. Uh, the week, our, our second week of performances, and um, I wrote this world that's like, you don't really know exactly what's going on in the world, and then mm. at the end there's a twist, and it's eye-opening, mm. and it's sort of like, in that idea of like surreal, this guy really focuses on the endings of his stories, going from this real world that he's built into, whoa, this is a lot bigger and a little bit more abstract than I was anticipating, and that I like <laughs> I think it was at a birthday party and we were like talking about what we're thankful for in the year and I said the manga that I bought from this guy because it's just so inspiring and makes me want to create art like it and I love it and that's one of my passions right now what is it? it's uh, Chainsaw Man oh. by Tatsuki Fujimoto he's okay. just, he's just mastercraft I love hearing about him and I love reading all his different short stories and like one other series he's written um uh one of the quotes that I like from him is he was in a art class and there's all these really good people with him and it sort of reminds me of like being in this improv troupe and he felt like he wasn't as good as them and he said if I'm not better than them in four years I'm gonna kill him (laughs) <laughs> because he's just so passionate that he has to be better. He has to go. He has wow. to get good, and that's inspiring. It's like I need to mm. go. I need to push myself. Um, I'm not gonna push myself that hard, but <laughs> um, it's a reminder that like anything's possible. Because he went from there to having something that's really popular right now, and it, it feels like everyone in that community is talking about it. Interesting. I was I was trying to think of what you were talking about, like <laughs> what fits, but I was not gonna guess that. Yeah, yeah. It's, wow. it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. If you, are you watching the show? Is the show done now? first season is done. Okay. So it came out. I loved every second of it. I had read it, so I was freaking out. My roommates mm. who haven't read it are like, what? I don't get it. But I'm <laughs> yeah. like, this is the part where the... Ah, ah, ah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think the first season of the anime was great, and I'm really excited for what's to come, because, like, again, it's sort of like... It starts out in a world that he set up, and then it takes a twist, and it takes sort of everyday hardships as like a theme and puts it in this crazy setting and mm-hmm. I love that and I, that also is very inspiring to my writing where it's like the play that I wrote is called Roadkill and it is like the only inspiration I really had was the feeling I get when I see Roadkill on the side of the road and like that was a starting point and that's how I created the whole thing wow. and so um, it's a simple thing and this crazy setting that I created and mm-hmm. a little bit of a twist to throw it off that's oh. fucking cool yeah yeah that sounds great where can we read your stuff you can watch roadkill um in what a, in on the the second week of our performances which is um what's the first february be performance? Like february, february two, two. Three, second two february two yeah 
Is that the Thursday? Yes. Okay, so February 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Um, you can watch it at Trinity Western University mm-hmm. in the evenings. Um, uh, reading my stuff, that's like that play and another one that I wrote are the things I'm taking to um, Pacific Theater. I'm in their writing um, group now, which is really exciting. Wow. So, um, so far I don't have them like published out in the world yet, but if I ever do, it'll be under Braden Sunnis. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever thought about just like you know, creating like a Substack or something like that, just like putting them on a platform. I put one of them onto uh, Play or what is it called? New Play Exchange, which is Play. a place where um, writers and like other theater artists just sort of put up their plays. Um, it's like a subscription-based sort of thing, and people can um, like email you to get access to it if they want to read it or do it. Amazing. I'd never heard of that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah. Zach. What yes. did you say? February? February, I would say first, second, third, fourth. It's the Wednesday through Saturday at Trinity Western University. It's a part of a, a bunch of student plays, so there's five each night. Okay. And yeah. um, it's one of them. It's like a 20-minute show. Minus. And that's on at the same time as Bard in the Valley? It is. Oh. So I can, I can see the opening night because it's on the dark day, <laughs> on the Wednesday, but I can't see the other performances, which usually I might go back and watch it a couple times just to feel it in the room, but I just get one this time. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Um, <clears throat> is there anything that personally for you guys uh, that we are not talking about enough? It's a broad question, I know. Like, theater-wise or in your own lives, like, is there something that you believe that everyone should know? Oh, that is a big question. It is. I think just never... We... I think that the pandemic really highlighted how important theater is as a way to express yourself, to get catharsis, to be entertained, to learn, to communicate, to grow. And I just think we need to make sure that we don't undervalue theater. We don't want to undersell it because it is it is highly important. Um, so just want to make sure we don't miss that. Awesome. I love it. All I can think about is like how mad I get at some truck drivers on the highway, but <laughs> otherwise I got nothing. Yeah, that's fair. That counts. That's yeah. Sometimes they're not the best drivers. I think it's also like anyone that I feel like is endangering anyone's life. It's like why? Why, why, why? are you doing this? Just, just drive. Just drive on the highway, please. Just drive. So true. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's such a great question. That's code for, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, there's, like, you, like, you wonder how far to take it, maybe, or, like, is this a platform for that, or, yeah, but we're here talking about theater, and I absolutely love what Belle said, and just how important theater is as a culture and a society, mm-hmm. and I think when we went through the pandemic, I mean, we, we as artists, because we've been in theater our whole lives, understand how important it is, um, but I 
I do think the community is catching up after it being taken away during the pandemic and realizing that how do we talk about hard hitting issues if we can't remove like theater allows us to remove ourselves from those hard hitting issues and say oh the characters were going through that that was happening to characters on stage and theater is such a good platform for talking about any issue that way and uh, and i just think yeah that theater is so important for any community for any growing culture um and just to keep your sense of self Mm -hmm. um and i think you know at the end of the show always every show whether I'm an actor or director or vocal coach or whatever, an audience member will always come and say, wow, how did you learn all those lines? How did they mm-hmm. learn? <laughs> and you're like, man, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But I do think... It's the easiest part. It's the easiest part. <laughs> but I do think what they mean is like, you know, how does this come to be? Mm-hmm. How did you make that happen on stage? How is that so... How do I feel these things from what I watched on stage? Um, and I don't know that audience members are, know how to communicate that. Um, so, yeah, it's so important. Yeah. Well it's said. so beautiful. Well said. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I do want to give a little personal shout out. Uh, <laughs> it's Emily McKinnon's birthday, and we're recording on her birthday. And if she wasn't my friend and I didn't know her and she wasn't directing Measure for Measure, mm-hmm. uh, I would have never probably even thought to audition for Bard in the Valley. And it was only because she texted me and she's like, oh my gosh, I need someone to audition for this character. Please come. Uh, (laughs) That I auditioned. And now here I am coming and doing my second show with this company. So I'm just, uh, thank you, Emily. Happy birthday, Emily. And happy birthday. That's awesome. She has been uh, suggested by multiple people to get her on the show. We're we're working on it. She's lovely. She has lots of lovely opinions, too. (laughs) Mm, that's perfect. We like opinionated people on here. Yes. <laughs> it makes for great podcast listening. It really does. Yeah. Okay. One other, one last question for the both of you, because I, I know we asked you last time. But uh, what gets you up in the morning? <laughs> Sorry, that shouldn't be funny. Why is that funny? No, it's great. Everyone reacts completely different. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have an immediate answer to that? Um, I really love my cup of coffee. Mm. Oh man, I look forward to that thing, <laughs> and I brush my teeth as fast as I can so I can go off and start just brewing my pour over. Is it like special? Is it like hand pressed or something? <laughs> it's mine. Like I, I, I make it. Like I just, I'm the one that pours the water, and that's it. That's what matters. Okay. And I love it. Like out of a coffee machine? Uh, I right now a pour over. Okay. Um, okay. If I ever, if I'm ever making coffee for two, I'll do a French press. Mm. If I'm ever making coffee for more than that, maybe I'll get a machine. But not right now. That's fair. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay. My immediate response was my dog. Like immediately in my head, that's why I started laughing. It's a pretty uh, common one, though. I just yeah. love my dog. I just love him so much. <laughs> um. But then also, I just, I just love living. Let's go. Yeah. God, like I just love it so much. I don't know. Like that's that's it. Like I just I yeah. Can I just stop being answer? alive. Yeah. <laughs> that's, great. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah, you can change your answer if you want. <laughs> that <laughs> retweet. <laughs> like, that's like, retweet. Life is so worth living. Yeah. That's awesome. <sighs> I love that. That's great. Everyone we've ever had on this show has just been excited about 
life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, ah, we just love meeting people like that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah. It's okay. to know there's passionate people out there still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still. yeah. Everyone is just, everyone just seems like everyone is just sad all the time, but they're not. Everyone's happy. It's great. <laughs> ah, okay. Ah, we got to shout this out. How does this work? When they go to purchase a ticket, we have a special discount code for the Modern Rustic. Uh, so when you go to purchase a ticket, it'll ask for a code. Please use Rustic 20. Rustic 20. 20% off your ticket. Wow. 20% yeah. for us? Love that. <laughs> uh, okay. So January 26th. 26th. February 5th to February okay. 5th. Yeah. Two weeks. Eight shows. Two matinees, six evening. Right in the heart of Fort Langley. Okay. And if anyone was on the fence about going to this show, what's going to turn them towards it? Like, what's the one? I'll use my three favorite words playful, painful, and passionate. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I live for alliteration. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. And I think you will laugh and you will feel connected to a character. Mm -hmm. And you will. You will talk about this piece when it when you finish. You will need to talk about what you just watched. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think there's just something that everyone will find relatable. Some little piece of of any character that someone will be able to find relatable, and that is what is so enjoyable. Why do we watch the same shows over and over again? Because we relate to a character. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I love something i love a show i love a movie that has some endings because again this is many scenes that like doesn't give you necessarily the satisfying um ending and my favorite scene does just that it um doesn't it doesn't sit with like all the chords harmonizing there's a little bit of dissonance and that feels so good to me so if you're like that go see the show because that scene's worth it man I love it. Okay. Rustic 20 on checkout. Go see the show. Great. Please. Woo.